Hello, and thanks for streaming The Near Futurist, a show presented by me, Guy Clapperton. This is a fortnightly look at the cultures and technologies that are going to affect our lives in, wait for it, the near future. Like all great podcasters, I never use a cliche, but look, what is this great resignation thing all about? I was media training in someone's office the other day, and they were telling me their clients had massive staff turnover. They were all but replacing the marketing department by themselves when their actual job was PR. So if you're a manager or indeed an employer, what's bringing about this huge change and what can we do about it? Now to discuss this, my guest is a human resources specialist with experience at Diageo, Burberry and the Go Ahead Group, as well as being a fellow of the Sutton Trust and a trustee of the Vodafone Foundation. There is a clue to her current employer in that last name. As you can imagine, a lot of her tasks at the moment are around retaining colleagues and ensuring the great resignation is a little less great for her current company. She's Chief HR Officer at the Vodafone Group, and her name is Leanne Wood. Leanne, welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Excellent. Well, so let's start with the basics. Is the great resignation really happening or is it media hype? Well, that is a great question. Uh, I think the answer might be it's happening in part. So during the pandemic, we saw a lot less uh, attrition from our workforce. I think understandably people weren't looking for, for new jobs at that point. They were concentrating on what was going on all around them. And then as things improved through the course of last year, people did start to think again about, is this where I want to be? Uh, is it time to make a move? And so we did see an increase in attrition, but actually not more than we had before the pandemic. In fact, still less than we had before the pandemic. I do think there are particular hotspots of skills that are pretty scarce and everybody's looking for, for similar things. And in some areas you do see a lot more resignations because people have more opportunities. But I don't think at the moment we would say that we're seeing any more uh, resignations than we would have done before the pandemic. Okay, now, obviously, I want to broaden this discussion away from just the one company, but uh, has Vodafone been hit by it at all? We haven't seen increased attrition beyond what we had before the pandemic and not at a level that has been concerning us at the moment, but we're certainly not complacent. And there are skill areas where we do see particularly specialized skills where we do see people looking to move uh, a little bit more and so we're very focused on making sure that we can also show what Vodafone can offer uh, and continue to encourage people to stay with us and grow and develop their careers with us. Okay now you mentioned that uh, there were patches where the great resignation so-called appears to be uh, real and patches where it's not. In those patches where there is something going on what do you think it is that's driving people? I think it's a combination of what's happening in the the job market and the skills that companies are looking for and whether a skills for example software engineers you know continue to be highly sought after companies are in a very competitive market and so as well as offering you know great packages they have to think about everything else that they offer great career development great training uh, but people have choices. And so those companies that are able to provide great experiences for people, great training, are going to do better and are going to be able to attract that talent. But it's definitely the case that people have options, they have choices, and employers need to work hard to make sure that they can retain their great talent. I know you uh, you at Vodafone are going through a number of initiatives to retain uh, that talent, and so it would be nice to talk through a few of those. 
For example, I'm in my 50s and a lot of my female colleagues and contemporaries are inevitably going through the menopause. And as human beings, we empathise. But as employers, are there practical steps that we can take? Yes. I mean, we have put in place over the course of last year a global commitment to make sure that employees are supported during the menopause. And, And this isn't done in isolation. This is part of our broader strategy about how we can support our employees through every life stage, because inclusion is really important to us. And we want to make sure that everybody has that chance. And uh, we've put in place training, uh, awareness, not just for the women that might be experiencing the menopause, but also the people that they're working with and support for people to be able to access the policies that we have, for example, if they need to take paid leave. So We've certainly brought a greater level of focus to making sure that it's something that people can discuss and talk about and and feel that it's something that they're equipped to have conversations and support people around. Okay, I understand you've made the resource available to other employers uh, on the web. Can you talk through what that is exactly and also why you've made it available to other people? Yes, well, this is something that I I really believe in that, uh, you know, we may compete for talent, but actually as employers there's a lot that we can do together Uh, so where we have introduced new policies for example uh, around uh, menopause but also domestic violence and abuse and if we put together toolkits to support our people we're always very happy to share those because these are issues that affect everybody in society and if we can help support other companies and particularly perhaps smaller companies who might not have the resource of of larger companies and and want to have something available to them, then we're always very happy to do that. You mentioned domestic violence there, which is an interesting point. It's uh, nothing new, of course, but sadly lockdown may well have exacerbated some situations just because people have been rather stuck together for the whole time uh, through working from home, etc. I'm just wondering when this becomes um, an HR issue rather than a police matter. Well, yes, I think it's a really important point. You know, we can't take on the role of the police and investigate criminal activity. But what we can do is support our people and support survivors of domestic abuse. You know, we make sure that we offer specialist training and support to our HR leaders uh, to be able to help identify where there might be issues. And we also offer 10 days paid safe leave for colleagues that have faced abuse. So what we're really trying to do is support them as they continue to look to work. We've done research on the workplace impacts of domestic abuse, and that shows that people really do feel the impact on how they work uh, and whether they're able to work. And so it's important that as an employer, we do support people to be able to, to do their best in the working environment. Very commendable, obviously. Um, But this is primarily a technology podcast. So can you tell me how you're helping employees who can work together virtually? Yes. So, uh, you know, we actually, like everybody else, we had to adapt very, very quickly uh, when the pandemic struck and we moved 90% of our people to work uh, remotely pretty quickly, actually, within a matter of weeks. Uh, And of course, we were already using some tools, for example, like Microsoft Teams, because we're a global business. So people were already connecting quite regularly uh, across different geographies and across different locations. But we hadn't done as much of that at home. And we saw really widespread adoption um, in the first early stages of tools like Teams. That's now our main collaboration tool, as well as with our external partners. 
but we've also sort of moved on as the pandemic has progressed and said, what else can we do? So we've used some of the, some of the more advanced collaboration tools like Mural and Whiteboard and you know, really trying to create the same kind of environments that people would have when they're together. So it's not just having a video call, but how can people actually work together? How can they update documents and spreadsheets and and just even their notes in real time um, so that we make sure that it feels like we're together. Um, we're, we're making some of the apps that Microsoft have, Microsoft Power apps available to all employees. Doesn't matter what team they work in because we really believe that it's our employees who really know what are the digital solutions that they need. And of course, we need to support that. But if they can get on and, and design and have the tools to design the solutions they need, uh, we're really keen to enable them to do that. So we have a sales team, for example, who created a mobile app that brings together all of the data that they need from many different systems in real time for people in the field. You know, that's a fantastic example of a team getting on. We've we've equipped them with the tools that they need to really then develop something even better for themselves. Uh, and I think that's a great way that the collaboration is working virtually and I think when we're back in the office we'll also still be able to use these tools really our our vision is that it should feel the same uh, your experience of working at Vodafone whether that's together in the office or remotely. Do you want to sound as confident as my interviewee in this episode? If you talk to the press or other media are you worried you'll be misquoted or they'll just publish their story and not yours? Clapperton Media Associates can help with coaching. Drop me a note, guy at clapperton.co.uk, and we'll arrange a time for an exploratory call. Now, back to the podcast. I suppose there's an argument that says that if a company like Vodafone can't do mobility correctly, then who on earth can? Because you, you, your, your, your core product is uh, uh, the, uh, you know, the mobile services. Um, I was interested to notice that you have a work from anywhere policy for 20 days in a year for employees. Is 20 days really enough in 2022? Well, it's a great point. And honestly, the answer is I don't know yet. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we introduced this policy last year, late last year, it was really well received by employees, gave them the flexibility to think, for example, if they're working in one country and they've got family in another, they can perhaps, you know, work uh, as well as then take some annual leave and find a bit more time to be with, with family as well as continue to work with us. So it's been really well received so far. And, and really, like all our policies, we will look at it and, and see the feedback and review it. Uh, and then see what we do. It was really important for us to be able to say, you know, this is this is something that you can expect to do uh, at Vodafone. Uh, we want to learn from it, and then we'll continue to see what we need to do to progress. I think starting small makes a lot of sense, uh, although we did all sort of start uh, in an enforced way, uh, you know, because of the pandemic. But I think uh, if you're going to grab a hold of it, then starting small does make a lot of sense. And yet I see you have job ads that don't specify a location. So isn't that a full-time work from anywhere thing? We do have a number of roles now that can be uh, worked fully remotely. Um, so we've put in place a remote hiring policy and we've been clear where we think there are roles that can be done 100% remote. Uh, and some of them are roles that we wouldn't have thought that was possible a couple of years ago. So some of our call centre teams, for example, now work 100% remotely. So for us, it's about 
what's the right thing for the role and what's the right thing for the individual. And we really try to bring those things together. There are some roles that can't be worked remotely at all. So obviously our retail staff or our network engineers, you know, they, they might be out in the field, but they're not working from home, for example. So we've got to recognise that there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach. Flexibility is really what we're looking to build, flexibility for us and flexibility for all of our people, and be really clear where we think there is a role that can be done 100% remotely and, and those that can't, and many roles are able to really have a mix of remote working uh, and working in the office. And so hybrid working is something that we're very much putting in place. And of course, back to the, the culture rather than the technology, you still have to make people feel part of the organisation. I'm sure you've got a lot of initiatives in place around that. Um, in terms of the technology, though, uh, tell me about the gaps. I mean, technology is always a work in progress. So what does technology miss in terms of supporting people remotely at the moment, do you think? Yeah, that's a really great question, because I think I've seen through the last couple of years that it's enabled connection. Uh, it can't replicate you know, being face-to-face, although I think there's a lot of work now developing new technologies. We hear a lot about the metaverse that, you know, that will be a way that people will connect even if they're not physically together. And I know these things will continue to develop. But actually, I have found technology over the last couple of years to be a big connector. So, for example, you know, historically, I would have gone and visited our, our teams in markets and I might be able to go and see them once a year And now we have a lot more virtual meetings that a lot of people can come to. Uh, We connect and we we host different interview series with with employees that people can listen to. And we've certainly had feedback that actually, in some ways, our world has become smaller over the last couple of years because we've found more ways to connect everybody together. So it's different. Uh, I think that's the main thing. Uh, And it will continue to develop. What I'm looking forward to is when we get into a world where we can perhaps have the best of being physically together and the best of all the advantages that being able to work remotely can bring. Yes, I'm just dreading the point when I walk into a meeting and people comment that I look so much shorter, fatter and older than my avatar, but that's another (laughs) issue by itself. Um, A lot of my uh, listeners are going to be owners of much smaller companies than uh, Vodafone, of course. I'm wondering what sort of technologies they can adopt and put in place to adapt to this uh, new uh, um, hybrid world. Yeah, well, I think everybody now, I think, has found that tools like Zoom or Teams or you know Google Meets have have opened up pretty much for everybody. You know, we know that they're also used in in education as well, and they're part now of how we live our lives socially as well as at work. So, you know, I think those tools provide an enormous amount for everybody, you know, whatever the size of the business, and it's about trying things. Um, you know, I certainly wouldn't consider myself to be a particularly technology savvy person, even if I work in Vodafone. But it's getting on, trying new things and finding the advantages, finding perhaps the things that we can do that we couldn't do before, rather than just trying to replicate what we would do face to face. And I think that's the kind of experimentation that we've been working with over the last couple of years that I, I, I think is something that we can all do. It's not about the size of the business that we're in. That makes sense. In fact, I'd argue that uh, this adaptation experimentation has been going on longer than a couple of years. 
I've been around long enough to remember when Microsoft Outlook was introduced. And for a long time, it just seemed to replicate paper calendars and paper memos. Uh, and it was only later that when people started experimenting with it and stretching it to see what it could do, the, the real collaboration of that sort of environment, just taking it away from one company, really started to emerge. So I, I think you're right. I think people will start to uh, experiment and see what exactly they can do. A lot of my listeners, of course, will be employees rather than employers, so they don't get to dictate the resources. I mean, if they feel that their um, employers are operating in a sort of dated model, what sort of approach should they make to their employers if they think they have a a good idea? I'm sure there isn't a one-size-fits-all, but are we talking business arguments? Are we talking return on investment? What would you suggest people do? Yeah, look, I think uh, everybody can have an impact, Uh, even if it's an impact in our own teams and with our own managers uh you know so i always try and suggest to people you know talk to your managers talk to your teammates they will also be experiencing many of these things and they'll welcome suggestions to improve things i think it's really important that there are lots of ways in which we can listen to our people so we spend a lot of time looking at you know what's the results of surveys pulse surveys they don't have to be big surveys you know you can check in with people quite quickly quite easily just to get that feedback, but also to show people that you really want to listen to what they have to say. Uh, You know, I hope those kinds of things are in place in many companies, but where they're not, uh, just having the conversation in a team with a line manager, flagging an issue, you know, we're all all human beings, we want to solve problems, Uh, they need to be brought to our attention. And I often think it's the people on the front line in the business who are best able to really shine a light on what can we do better, what can we fix? What can make your life easier? Um, so I think I would just encourage people to really believe that they can change something, uh, they can make a difference, uh, and go and give people that feedback. Okay, thank you very much. And finally, where can listeners find out more about yourself and, of course, about Vodafone? Well, we have a lot of our uh, work is on our uh, website, so vodafone.com. Uh, some of the toolkits that you talked about earlier can be accessed there. So. I think that's a great starting place uh, for anybody to find out about our activity. You know, we post regularly uh, on things like LinkedIn. Uh, we make sure that we're trying to communicate you know, what we're trying to do so that that can help others as well. Um, so lots of information available about Vodafone. Hey, Leanne Wood, Chief HR Officer of the Vodafone Group. Thank you very much for joining me. Thanks for having me. And of course, many thanks to you for listening. That was the Near Futurist podcast with me, Guy Clapperton. Don't forget to have a look at the website at nearfuturist.co.uk or my media training site at remotemediatraining.com. I'll be back in two weeks' time. 